Good, Good morning, morning, everybody. Welcome back. And today you're listening to the Daily Info Duo podcast about how college education in America is too expensive. My name is Narissa. And my name is Alyssa. And you'll be hearing some of our research concerning how we can make college less expensive. That is correct, Alyssa. We will be hearing from two speakers today, and they will be talking about their personal opinions and knowledge on how they dealt with the pressure of college loans. And don't forget, we will also be discussing some important statistics you need to know. With that out of the way, let's get started. Our first speaker is Missy. As of recently, she is a science teacher for the Academy of Arts and Communication at Waipahu High School here in Hawaii. Missy will be speaking to show her viewpoints about college educations since she is currently pursuing her graduate's degree. Missy, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. My name is Caitlin Yi. Spent four years in undergraduate school, graduated, got my bachelor's, and then this is my second year in graduate school. For grad, I attended Loyola Marymount University, and for graduate school, I attended the University of Hawaii at Manoa. I'm pursuing a degree in education for teaching. So getting right to the point, what do you think about college being too expensive? I think it makes it unfair for the people that can't afford to go to college but still have the skill that they could get into college and do well. That is actually a good point. Did you know that just 27% of public four-year schools are affordable for low-income students? That means that more than half of the nation's most affordable colleges are still unaffordable for low-income students. Good point, Alyssa. And this is actually one of the reasons why students who are low-income have limited choices when it comes to picking the college they want to attend to. Tuition fees are too expensive. Not only that, but students also have personal expenses, transportation, school and activity fees, books and supplies to pay. As years go by, I think it's still going to increase. Yeah. Well, thank you, Missy, for doing this interview with us. Yes, we truly appreciate it. For now, we'll be taking a break for a couple of minutes, and we'll be back. So please stay tuned for another informative inter- interview from my second speaker, Dr. Salerno. Five minutes later. Thank you so much for waiting, everyone. Our second speaker is Dr. Silverman, the founder of Early College at Waipahu High School. Good morning. Welcome to our Daily Info Duo Show. We are so glad you came here today to talk about college education. Yes, other than that, we wanted to interview you because we know that you'll be able to give us some information like if, like why college tuition is increasing, like maybe some advice you have for income college students and some solutions regarding the issue of financial struggles. So how are you feeling today, Dr. Silman? Feeling very well. You're so sarcastic, doctor. Me and Nurse here knows you're capable of many things. You're so energetic, that's why. Anyways, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Please leave some background information, current accomplishments, current job, and maybe full name? 
My full name is Mark Daniel Sullivan. Mm -hmm. I'm one of six other brothers and sisters. My mom um, pretty much raised seven children by her by herself. Um, my father died when I was very, very young, so my mother had to kind of fend for herself. We were uh, very, I would say, extremely poor. We never, never had one conversation about going to college because my mother, born in 1929, was a child of the Depression. She was a Depression boomer. And for those who grew up in those very hard times, there was no such thing as going to college. That was reserved only for rich people like the Kennedys, the Morgans, the Rockefellers, who could afford it. It was, it was only for elites and privileged people. We didn't talk about going to college, and we certainly couldn't afford it. And one of the things that my mother said as I walked out the door on, and left the home heading for college, she said, I'm very sorry, I can't help you. Fast forward, I taught at Columbia, I was an administrator at Columbia University, I was an assistant vice president for academic affairs at Hudson County Community College, I was chancellor at Leeward Community College, I was dean of transportation and trades at Honolulu Community College, and, and now for almost 10 years I've been the director of Waipahu High School Early College here at Waipahu High School. You have such an interesting story, Dr. Silman. Because like the fact that you came from a low-income family and yet still graduated from two Ivy League schools from the East Coast is quite a determination. That's right. You went to Cornell University and Columbia, if I can recall. Yeah. Knowing the fact that you came from a low-income family and that your parents didn't have really have the same view about college, does that mean you're the first-generation college graduate in your family? Yes. Yes, I was the black sheep. Did you know that people who are better educated tend to have, take better care of themselves? I'm almost 70, right? Um, and so um, you're, you're apt to live longer. You're apt to be happier. All of those things are related to, to education, which is why, um, because I have such a painful experience growing up as a child in poverty, I don't want my friends and my students to suffer in the same way. So to me, education is empowerment. It's your way of liberating yourself and having a quality and a happy life. And that's why it's important to talk about college education. Like, the thing is, we live in the 21st century, and rate is even predicted that by 2048, we will reach the point of singularity, which means that the artificial intelligent computers will be as good and maybe even better than humans. Now that you've mentioned that, Doctor, do you have any idea why it's increasing? I mean, it's interesting to hear that, but as new generations come and go, tuition will pretty much change overwhelmingly. Yes. Of energy because universities and some of them are or as, are as big as Waipahu Town. Um, universities that have electrical costs, they keep the lights on, the air conditioning. They, as energy costs rise, rises, more and more uh, colleges and high schools are beginning to put PV panels up. You notice that all around here you see new PV panels, photovoltaic panels. Leeward is now have parking lots that they're covering. And why are they doing that? Because one, when I was the chancellor there, one of the biggest bills I had to pay was my electrical bill. Right? So it's the cost of energy. It's the cost of union wages. So all of our faculty in the university system um, are members, most of them are members of um, 
the University Professional Assembly, which is they call it UPA for short, and and UPA will UPA will negotiate with the governor every couple of years or so to ask for pay increases, and as pay、uh, salary costs go up and up and up, then that also adds to the cost of of education. And then I'll close. There are other factors, but I'm just hitting the high ones, the, a few of them, as an example.、Um, publications.、Um, the publishing companies have got a monopoly on college textbooks, and you could easily spend three hundred dollars just. For one book, when I was at Cornell, each class would have three, four, five, or six books. Each class, and I and I usually would have five classes. That would be anywhere between twenty to thirty textbooks that I would have to buy、uh, each semester, times two semesters. And it is one reason why the university, in recognizing the escalating cost of higher education. Are now moving more towards what they call OEM. Now, oh my God, but OEM, Open Educational OER, sorry, Open Educational Resources, which are free online textbooks. So professors are teaching their classes, asking their students to use the internet and the resources and information on the internet to educate and read homework assignments and so on and so forth, rather than buy a big three hundred dollar. Microbiology book or something. Dr. Silliman, Alyssa and I are incoming college students in just three years from now. What do you think about college being so expensive? And what do you have to say to students who are like us? For example, families don't always have the funds to make their expected family contribution, and in fact, it's not uncommon for low-income students to support their families while in school. And work-study jobs aren't widely available, especially at community colleges. Yeah, that's true. At the end of the day, it's about the money. We're talking about billions of dollars here.、Mm. I think it's outrageous. I think it 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 shouldn't have to be that way. If with with government regulations and policies in place,、um, other countries、um, like Finland, Germany, Netherlands, and many others、um, actually have free college education.、Um, Germany says, "Look, you don't even have to be a German national. You can be a Filipina from from Waipahu and go to Germany, and they'll pay for everything for free." Why? If you have a, a poorly educated citizenry. Your economy is going to falter, stall, and maybe crash. If you have a very smart, very well-educated citizenry, your economy, national economy, was likely to do much, much better. My advice to almost all of my、um, early college students and any student who asks, I tell them: keep your costs as low as possible. Even if you're not struggling, keep your costs low. I know a lot of people say,、oh, "I don't want to go to a community college because it's stigmatized, because oh, it's the, it's an open door policy, and they're just a bunch of losers that go up there." I want to go to some prestigious play place, right? I want the I want to pay for my eagle and 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 show off to my friends that I got a scholarship for. Some expensive university. Don't do that. When I was the boss at Leeward Community College, I I literally interviewed hundreds of people for a job. If people came in to me and said, "Oh, oh, Dr. Silman, thank you for the time to interview me,"、um, and I would say, "Well, what kind of degree?" If they said a bachelor's degree, I'd yawn. <laughs> oh, you do. Everyone's got one of those. What else you got? 
because you're not going to be able to get a very substantive job with a bachelor's degree unless it's in a very select and very special area like radiology or like maybe it's a CTE type type career kind of thing. Put the money where the, where it matters, and where it matters is at your master's degree level and doctoral degree level. That's where you start getting big bucks. Doc, doctor, what about the students who are low income? Can they still apply for financial aid? Because, like, for example, some schools who might be aware of your high ACT scores will most likely reject the people who need the help most after realizing their financial background. I've been encouraging the Ivy League club students to go to the East Coast where they have uh, a lot of need-blind schools. Need-blind schools, um, the, well, let me back up. Historically, the, some of the best universities in the nation would look at you and say, wow, such a bright student and hardworking and high IQ and high SAT scores. And they would look at your application and say, she's one of the best I've seen in three or four weeks. <laughs> three or four weeks. But you know what? We're not going to accept her because I can see her, her. She comes from a poor family and she's not going to be able to afford my expensive school. And she'll just wind up coming for one semester and dropping out. And they would say, no. Now, that got out and people got angry about that and now some schools are starting to develop a, what they call a need-blind policy, which means they look at your application and then they say, wow, she's great. She's one of the best I've seen in three or four weeks. And you know what? Um, we got to take her. And we don't even know. We don't know what your capacity or your family's ability is to pay this for this very expensive school. And then on top of that, once they accept you, then they look at your financial need and they'll say, you know what, because she's so poor and because she represents a minority group, which you do, um, we're going to not only let her in, but we're going to give her one big fat financial aid package. apply to the West Coast schools because they have many Hispanic, many Mexican, many Filipinos, many people that look like you and you aren't special. You're not special. I'm sorry. Right, but on the East Coast, oh boy, they would love to have you and they'll pay big bucks. Oh yeah. In fact, Dr. Silman, Mayor Bloomberg, who's the former mayor of New York and is now running for president, gave $600 million to Princeton University with this provision. He said, I want you to give it to poor students, students of need. And how many of my Waipahu students are going to Princeton? Zero. Oh, yeah, zero. I don't know of any in the years I've been here. I only know of two students that went Ivy League, Columbia, Full Ride, Andrea, Gerardo, and Ian, Brown University. Two students in 10 years. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because students here are not being coached and, and encouraged to, to make applications on the East Coast. Too far, they say. Too scary. It's not scary. By the way, once I moved out of Harlem, I moved into student housing, you know, at, at 
at the university. It was safe as can be. <laughs> so, Dr. Soman, for our last question, how does early college help lessen student expenses for college here in Hawaii? Because I heard that it only applies in the UH system. If you're an Olympian, we'll, we'll transfer, and you can transfer as a junior. Leave high school, go to the University of Hawaii as a junior. Right now, that saves you. If you if you go to Manoa, Manoa, UH Manoa, it's going to cost you twenty one thousand dollars a year. Okay, so you're you won't have to pay for your freshman year or your sophomore year. Which you which what does that save an early college Olympian here in Waipahu? About forty two thousand. Forty two thousand. Now listen, it gets better. Opportunity cost means that if we have two people, okay, you decide to become an early college Olympian, you go off to Manoa as a junior, you decide, ah, heck no, I'm not going to waste my time on early college, I'm just going to do high school stuff, guess what? You're going to be going to Manoa and paying $42,000 over and above what you have to pay. And listen to this, you graduate two years earlier than her. So now your opportunity cost, what are the opportunity costs for her to graduate two years later? Well, you're working, you graduated, you work your first year, let's say, modestly speaking, you make $60,000 a year. The first year that you're working, she's not. You're $60,000 richer, you're $60,000 poorer. The second year, you're $120,000 richer, you're $120,000 poorer. So $120,000 plus the $42,000 is... $160,000. So these opportunity costs, what did it cost you to say, Oh, heck, I'm not... I'm not going to go to U, UH Manoa. And that relates to the fact that early college students get a letter grade higher than non-early college students when they go to the mainland. And that is because you have trained and conditioned your mind. You've developed time management strategies. You have begun to learn how to read college-level textbooks that have a very high uh, vocabulary and reading difficulty. You've learned how to adjust to the demands of, of college rigor. Okay, well, Dr. Sullivan, that's all for today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for staying tuned to today's episode, especially to Missy and Dr. Soman for being our speakers. Don't forget to mark down your calendars for next week for another daily info duo show. My name is Nerissa. And my name is Alyssa. And we'll be back with another podcast. Toodles!